Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Red Voices. Slightly different start, you've got you and Leonard and Richard Canners, typical in these sort of situations, but due to the events of this morning and perhaps over last night, we decided to do a bit of a different uh, start to this week's episode. So you will hear Rich and I talk about the uh, Sheffield United game from last night in a little while. But we thought with the racist abuse suffered by Axel Tuanzebe and Anthony Martial over the course of the last 24 hours, we didn't want to start without addressing it. So Rich and I are recording the, the, on Thursday, which is the day you'll hear this episode, on those exact events. Rich, the first thing foremost, it's just absolutely disgusting to see some fans decide the best way to react after last night's defeat, as frustrating as it was, to go out and racially abuse players. Yeah, I mean, as people will hear later, we'll talk about talk about the match that happened last night and we talked about how angry we were about about aspects of the performance but it, it kind of pales into um, insignificance compared to the anger certainly that I feel about about seeing this happen again you know it it's not it's not something you, so often it's brushed under the carpet people will say these aren't united fans or whatever you know this is this is a societal problem that repeats itself over and over and over and you know, I've always been in two minds about social media. I get an awful amount, an awful lot from it in a positive sense, but it's also exposed me to attitudes and people that I didn't know. Not that I didn't know they existed, but I didn't know that they existed on the scale that they do. Um, and certainly, the 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 scale of um, racism that we've seen over well I've certainly seen over the years on on Twitter particularly always kind of takes my breath away and again it's just another example of the problem that the world has um you know anybody who tries to deny racism racial discrimination their arguments fall down a million times a day on Twitter when 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 faceless people post this sort of stuff anonymously with no no repercussions at all about somebody in this case because they didn't have a regular game of football, um, and mm. it's just an excuse. It's just an excuse to to pour out more horrible attitudes um, towards, in this case, black people. I think Anthony Martial was was the other one, wasn't he? As well as Tu Nzebe, who mm. who suffered this. It's just it's really depressing just to see the the thread of the of the uh the abuse and just the number of people that are repeating it over and over and over again it's not it's not a few isolated idiots it's a lot of people and we need to find a way on social media at the very least to address this yeah i mean do you hit a very important point which i want to expand on a little bit when you first started talking there which is the fact that some people try and downplay this and say that they're not football fans or they're not united fans yes they are yeah they are this isn't something that we can just brush under the carpet and try and downplay and try and dissociate and try and move away from just because we don't see them as being big United fans or don't they're not mirrored in our support. That's absolutely redundant. If they are abusing footballers of any club, we have to be reporting it and making it clear that this sort of element is not welcome in this fan base. And you can't effectively combat racism in United's fan base or indeed any fan base unless you're willing to admit that every single club has a faction that is like this that mirrors these type of opinions and will mirror this abuse in these sort of circumstances you really devalue the work that of anti-racism and the whole concept of anti-racism if you aren't willing to admit that United has a problem with this and we have done for a while and I think that's incredibly important that 
with the All Red All Equal initiative that United have been running for some time, that we recognise and accept that and commit to doing the work that that entails. Now, obviously, in terms of the broader issue of racism in society, as two people who do a podcast on the internet with a couple of other friends, that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. But I think I speak for the two of us when I would say that anyone listening to this, we implore you, whenever you see instances like this, and I'm not saying you aren't, report them, call them out, let these people know that comments and and abuse such as this should not be tolerated in this fan club or indeed in any fan club it is completely it's unacceptable it's terrible against any player who plays for any club but in this instance we're a united podcast we're talking about it in this instance in terms of united players and i really would honestly recommend anyone who is concerned about these sort of issues to start putting in that work you know we can't just step away from it because we don't see ourselves mirrored in these fans because we don't think they represent Manchester or they don't represent United. Yes, Manchester is a very diverse and welcoming and vibrant city. That doesn't mean that there aren't people who support United who don't me- measure up with those values whatsoever. It's a world. It's a worldwide problem, and and, I don't, and it's yeah, not. Of course, it's not just. It's not just the direct comments and the direct images on say two and W's timeline last night. We've seen this morning Harry Maguire put a tweet out which essentially says that he and and. United players abhor and oppose racism and there's a picture of him and I think Marcus Rashford given the knee um, probably before before yesterday's game and underneath but underneath that you've got endless an endless stream of comments of people saying well how about you play football better oh god that wound me up so fucking much I mean Rashford posting a photo of him and Axel saying brothers and then one of the first comments I saw was yeah but you were still shit yesterday yeah and that's like it's and that's 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 part of the problem it's not just people who are directly racist it's people who play down racism or try and distract exactly or try and distract from a race from a from a message against racism or you know when when people are trying to trying to point it out trying to deal with it and it, it's distracting and minimizing and some of those people are just stupid and all they care about is football but but a lot of a lot of it is also diversion it's to stop people talking about it because they don't want to hear it because in some way they sympathize with it you know it, we've got a real societal problem and it's not just in the uk you know i'm sure i i've looking at the names of some people on on instagram and on twitter threads i think this is this is potentially a worldwide problem as well but I'm, as of today I'm, I'm at a loss to some degree as to how we deal with it i mean i'd love to see the the social media companies bring in a requirement for identification before you can join but they won't because that will put a lot of people off and the actual number of users on on twitter or instagram or wherever will fall um and so money will always trump things like this well i think that's that's a good point and i think perhaps that's where we sort of end this discussion for the time being is you talk about what we can do on a larger level to start to influence this and i think one of the key things is once you start making changes to your behavior on a micro level that then influences the macro level so on a larger level you do want to start seeing some sort of policy changes in the way social media companies regulate their platforms on a micro level calling people out, reporting them, making sure that that element is not welcome in this fan base and trying to drive out as much as we humanly can because I don't necessarily know how easy it is to eradicate on a larger level. But those small details and those small actions do have an effect and we can't fall into the trap of just thinking there's just a wave of racism that we can't 
stop and that we can't try and turn the tide or at least influence this on a smaller level because we can Mm. these are things that we can do these are actions that we can take that will help to influence it and not only that make this fan base a safer space for people of all racial backgrounds and that is hugely important and something i'm very passionate about when it comes to this community that we've created in terms of our own show and you know just to make one final point if you think that the comments that have been left on the profiles of these players represent your views and you're happy with what was said or you don't think that what was said was a problem you can go yeah i don't want you listening to the show rich doesn't paul doesn't none of us do you are not welcome here just to make that completely and utterly clear yeah they can feel free to catapult themselves into the sea Amen. Right. (laughs) Should we leave it there, Rich? Yeah, we shall. Back to the actual episode. Well, we should have known, really, Rich. We've been flying too close to the sun. You've been too happy of late. Yeah, I know. It's unnatural. It is unnatural. And, and, you know, if we've learned anything over the last seven and a half years, it's that we can't enjoy nice things. Not for too long. I mean, we had Not a couple. We had a really good like five weeks or so there, and we have won five games so far this month. So it makes complete and utter sense that we were we lose to currently what could be the reigning champions in terms of the worst ever team in the Premier League in its history. Which is obviously a cheery way to start this podcast off, but that's what happened. Anyway, welcome to this week's episode of Red Voices. You've got me, you and Lennox and him, Richard Can, to discuss Manchester United's incredibly disappointing 2-1 defeat Sheffield United tonight, which we have just watched, alongside a very enjoyable and very dramatic 3-2 defeat of Liverpool, which we'll get to a little bit later on, because as you can probably imagine at this stage, we're a little bit annoyed. But before all that, Rich, mm. what's going on? Well, I'm sure you can imagine I'm just, just sitting here with steam coming out my ears. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while since we felt like that. No, it it has. Look, United, any football team can lose games, and I can I can I can take losing games at football because we we've, we've lost an awful lot of them in the last last eight years. Individuals can make mistakes. Teams can just be better than you. Teams can be set up better than you, and and, and sort of tactically out outmaster you or outmaster your manager. That's not what happened tonight. What what happened tonight was that that United went into a game with. Piss poor preparation, piss poor application, and just an abysmal attitude that it just looked like they thought they could just turn up and, and roll Sheffield United over, and, and I can't ever, ever, ever accept that. No, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I feel like we started that game with plenty of possession, but I think the in the finer details, you could see that there was something wrong, especially in that first 45 minutes, even prior to the goal. You know, I mean, I... I I understood the lineup to an extent. I thought this was actually a game to perhaps put one of uh, Bruno or Pogba back on the bench and maybe bring on Van der Beek or Mata in their place just to try and shake things up a little bit. And that wasn't necessarily... There was an element in the sense that I was thinking this is the worst team in the Premier League and we should have enough if we apply ourselves in all of the correct areas to win because we'll have creative players replacing the likes of Pogba and um, Fernandes, right? Um, and I understood the picking of Matic because in a game we were expecting to get lots of possession. He actually did quite well against Burnley quite recently. The problem was is that Sheffield United were actually a lot more nuanced in the way they got the ball forward, even if they did do it very quickly, because they were just able to break our lines immediately. They weren't necessarily trying to play long balls. You could see it happening pretty early on. The midfield was bypassed immediately, and it was... When we were off the ball, the level of press was just... I mean, I don't expect United to do a high press when we're out of possession anyway, but the way in which we didn't really try and close down space was terrible. You know, it was there from the opening 20-25 minutes. 
And it was incredibly disappointing to see, just given the fact that this was a game you thought United really had to prove their strength. You know, I, I'll be honest, I came into this game at the start of the evening, having seen City win 5-0 away at the Hawthorns yesterday and thinking, United should do with winning this and winning it well. I'll take winning it, but there's no way we should be considering any other result at this stage. And to have served that up on what should have been a far more routine performance and offered up a display lacking in guile, lacking in guts. No, no, there wasn't. I mean, you know, we needed we needed to score from set piece, didn't we? Because we just didn't have the now sort. I don't know what it was. I mean, even you know, I can't I can't say there's one United player who who put in an average, even an average performance tonight. And you know that includes that includes Bruno, that includes Pogba, who's been in terrific form recently. I think a few of the selections that that Oli made really didn't work at all. Uh, we talked about two in Zebe, but Martial, I can't. I don't even have a description for Martial's performance. You know, he's in he's in such a dip, such a mess at the moment in terms of his form that I I almost felt like it was just foolhardy to to start him. And 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 what on this earth Oli saw in that first hour or so. That made him think, yeah, I'll bring Cavani on, but I'll leave Martial on. Absolutely baffles me. Mm. And tell us, terrific corner for the for the header for Maguire when United equalised. But tell us offered very little. And given that Luke Shaw's been our best, I would say probably our best player in the last few weeks. You know the way United set up. We have two wide wide forwards. They're not wingers. They don't go. To the, they don't run to the byline and get crosses in. They don't overlap. They they, they almost invariably come inside. And the fullbacks are so important to the system. And we saw we saw a lot in the first half, particularly from Aaron Wan-Bissaka, really getting forward and, and and getting some delivery into the box. But it wasn't happening from the left hand side. Again, you know, I I said at half time I'd be really surprised if Tellez doesn't go off for Luke Shaw here, and he didn't. And that was a change that wasn't made until eight or nine minutes from the end. That was just one of those games where absolutely everybody did everything wrong in terms of approach and attitude and response to adversity. Because I honestly don't believe Sheffield United played well in that game. I don't think they played well. No, I mean, I think the the problem... We, we kept on hearing this constantly on commentary, didn't we? They were... They were it's a massive result for them and ultimately we can't take it away from them because we didn't do enough to win the game but in terms of the goal it was a bit of a dodgy first goal in terms of the way that Billy Sharp clearly had a bit of a nibble at David De Gea when he was trying to clear the ball the second goal is just defensive mayhem and beyond that they had two three shots on target and scored from two of them you know they didn't have to necessarily do all that much in terms of their defensive work to stop United tonight they were just very disciplined and kept those lines of five and four very clear and calm. And that's the disappointing thing for United is you can't say that we were hard done by. And I think looking back on the way that a large chunk of the results have gone this month, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that United have cropped themselves up to a certain extent because I feel like a result like this, maybe not to a team as low down the table as this, but a result like this, a defeat, uh, having fallen behind and just not being able to offer much in terms of an intensive response was coming to a degree. You know, I think you look at the games against Burnley, that could easily have been one all with a bit of mayhem towards the end at Turf Moor. Game against Fulham, that could easily have been 2-2 as well. You know, th- we could have dropped points in various scenarios and maybe the game h- home to Wolves where we got a little bit lucky with Rashford's effort towards the end. And those are games that you were pleased to see United scrape through. You know, we've won five games so far in January and they've all been by one goal. So we have been riding our luck to an extent. 
And the thing that we've spoken about frequently over the last couple of months is that United are, and to a certain extent, this has been a large part of our season, hasn't it, Rich, in terms of the fact that we are a moments team. We're not necessarily coached to perfection. There's no hugely discernible sort of patterns of play that provide us with great waves of pressure that create goals. You know, you saw the goal against Fulham last week. You know, the Pogba goal came out of absolutely nothing. We've got some fantastic players, but they're not coached to an absolute T in the same way like a Guardiola side is, for instance. And when you've got the likes of Fernandes and Pogba and Rashford and Martial all sort of looking less than sharp, misplacing their passes, and no one's able to do it. That's where these sort of things come into sharper relief. We didn't have a moment tonight at any real point that could spark us into life. When everyone's off their game like that as well, and you know, you hope for a moment of magic, you're not always going to rely on that if you haven't got a tactical framework to sort of fall back on. Yeah, I do think we made mistakes in, in the lineup. I think that by bringing Matic in, you're basically saying my midfield doesn't need to press. It doesn't need to press today. We're going to have so much of the ball, it doesn't need to concentrate on winning it back. You have Pogba and Matic in the two. That that midfield's going to do no pressing or next to no pressing because he just doesn't have the mobility. And that also hinders Pogba because, as we saw under Mourinho as well with that with that pairing, I think Pogba's far more reticent to go forward and commit when there's just Matic back than there is when it's a Fred or when it's a McTominay who are far more mobile, far more combative. One thing I want to say about Matic in particular, if we're going to skip ahead to the second goal, let's look at the build-up to that. Because obviously the defending itself and the way that we didn't clear it and didn't close down is ridiculous enough. But the way that all starts is because Matic is driving forward from his own half. There's no one behind him. He tries to play it to Martial, who's got plenty of pressure behind him. He's got his back to goal and he carries on his run. He doesn't stop for the one-two. He goes ahead of Martial. So when Martial loses the ball, there's an acre of space for Sheffield United to exploit down there. And Matic has got no real recovery pace. If he goes up the field and we lose it, he's f***ed. Yeah, it was just it was just an absolutely brainless performance all all round, all round from everyone, for, and from Oli as well. I just think clearly the preparation wasn't right for that game. And once in the game, players just were not making the right decisions at any point. The game started with as United often do, and I, this is a real problem because you cannot keep starting like that and conceding. And, and getting out of out of trouble. It's just it's just not possible. You cannot keep doing that. You know, you'll get burned. And we have got burned because of that. And I think we we went behind and then we kind of expected a response. And the response didn't come. And suddenly we realised this wasn't going to be as easy as we thought it was. And it's it's almost as, as if at that point everybody just collectively shit themselves. It's almost like they had a failure of a failure of nerve, a, a collective failure of nerve. We've talked I've I've talked in recent weeks about how United have developed or had developed a real sort of clutch edge. You know, we were winning games that we that we weren't winning last year by by moments, by by turning games around and really producing sort of performances right to right to the end that were that were turning the screw on teams and eventually those teams were were buckling. It didn't happen today, and 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 the only possible reason I, I think that. That was the case, particularly after we go back to one-one. You think this is the moment you've got to put the pressure on, but also you've still got to be smart. And I think that goes back to what you were saying about Matic. It wasn't smart. United. It's it's that kind of that game when you're at primary school and you and you 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 think you've got better players than the other primary school team, and so everybody just st- tries to start doing everything. You think you can dribble past someone when normally you'd pass it. You know you 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 commit forward when when normally you wouldn't because you you expect that. 
you know you'll just be able to you'll be able to break them down there's not much danger if you if you lose it it was just a completely incomprehensibly brainless performance and i think that was compounded by by the the timing of the subs the subs as well which united needed a change at half time united needed cavani on or shaw or or i mean i could if 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 i could have made three subs i wouldn't make three subs because you left uh, sod's law says you'll get someone injured in the second half and then you'll be playing with 10 men and you're screwed but if i if i had five subs i'd have brought cavani on uh fred and McTominay on for matic and and shaw on for tellers at half time because that team just needed a bloody good shake mm. and said you 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 lot have been shit i could have taken all of you off i've only got three i can only make three subs at this point you you and you are going off and you deserve it and I'm looking, and, and I'm looking at the rest of you, and you won't be playing next time if you don't wake up. <laughs> you know, we, we we need to sort of pick out some particular moments, don't we? So let's carry on because we could be here all night if we wanted to. Uh, the the first goal, Keen Bryan's header. There, I mean, you mentioned Keen Bryan. What, what what's his story? Just to add a little bit more flavour. I, I I can honestly say he came on as a substitute. I think in, in Sheffield United's last match or the last match I saw them play, and I didn't recognise him. I didn't. I, I I usually know most most Premier League footballers, and I didn't know his name, so I did a bit of research. In he's twenty four, and his most recent football was six games on loan at Bolton in League One last season, and prior to that, he played for Oldham in two thousand and eighteen. That's the sum total of his first team experience, apart from a few sub appearances in in the last month or so, in the last three four years. So Sheffield United are using him because. They've got no one else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Chris Wilder was saying before the game started that they couldn't even fill their bench because they had a couple of injuries just to put the result further into. You know, Jagielka's playing. Mm-hmm. Jagielka's playing. You know, he United absolutely shredded Jagielka in 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 the the reverse game at Bramwell Lane. You know, he's clearly his legs are gone. Mm. And you could you could see early on what United were trying to do. There was a lot of very quick balls over the top to over the top of the back four to Rashford. And to Greenwood, and you could see there was some some sense in what we were doing. There was clearly a plan to it, but as soon as United conceded, that all just the plan essentially stopped, and we just started doing far more predictable things. And but as you say, the goal the goal was so predictable. One because United are absolutely abysmal on set pieces, defensive set pieces. Two because David de Gea is abysmal on <laughs> defensive set set pieces. And you could talk mm. about the push, <clears throat> the little push in the back from Sharp, but if De Gea comes out and cleans everything out, goes through everybody, goes through the players in front of him, and all his focus is is get two fists to that ball. You know, if, if he goes out and commits, he get he gets his fist to that ball and he clears it. Yeah, the contact from Billy Sharp is negligible it's, it's if De Gea negligible. actually yeah, goes for it. And that was the frustrating thing, is that I don't I didn't look at that contact and think, well that's a foul. I looked at it and thought no. that's just United being terrible from a corner again. And I guess the frustration was that it wasn't necessarily applied to the same issue when Maguire went up and challenged Ramsdale. Because the contact is actually probably less than it is. I guess it's just the fact that he's Mm. underneath him. Very, very lucky for Sheffield United. And obviously because the fact that the whistle was blown prior to Rashford sort of scooping the ball into the net, the bar didn't take a look at it. But it was a really lucky decision. But again, you know, the that's not bailing out United. You know, it was still a pretty poor first half. You know, he made a couple of openings. Wambasaka pulled back for Rashford, but he fires it just wide, ball spinning. 
and you remember Tellez hitting it across to Bruno, but he pulls it back too far, and Martial can't quite get his head directed on goal. And after that first half, you're thinking, well, we've got to wake up. There's no way the second half can be as bad as the first half, or we're not walking out of here with anything. And it, we did start to stretch them a little bit more. You saw more runs in behind, trying to do diagonal crosses and trying to do something more and trying to stretch the play a little bit more. But that didn't last for very long. You know, it came from eventually a corner after we'd, uh, I think it was Bruno, who'd hit a free kick uh, and you hit the wall. And then Tellers with a great corner and Maguire finally gets his head on one for the second time this season after missing what his last three or four very presentable opportunities in similar areas. He does, he does really well, to be fair. You know, we dug him out for these headers because it's such a frequent problem with his game at the minute that he just can't direct them properly and he did really well against Jagielka there to steal on and then he thought at that point 26 minutes left United up the gear now and finish the game off and win 2 or 3-1 but the pressure never really came and it didn't seem like they had the composure to see that game out and win it and the way that we conceded that second goal I'll say it again the way Matic continues on after that pass to Martial completely does it to begin with but that doesn't excuse what happened afterwards Matic doesn't get close enough to the cross two or three times Martial has stood in the penalty area not closing down Burke Maguire does a slight touch back to De Gea very close in but De Gea just passes it out limply and then Axel's far too far away and deflects it into the net and who knows if De Gea would have gotten a hand on it but I would much rather if Axel hadn't been in the way but it's no one gets out of that entire situation without a fair share of blame. That goal was a level has yet to be described that aptly appraises what we saw there because it's not just schoolboy, it's pubescent, you know, Jesus. It was so poor to see us concede that goal. And you, it just felt like a recurrence of, I mean, the Istanbul game definitely sticks in the craw in terms of a uh, night where United just took their mind complete, took their eye completely off the ball. And this was it again tonight in the sense that they seemed to rock up and just assume that their quality would eventually tell. And you can't always get away with that. You can't always expect Bruno to pop up with a moment of magic or provide a sharp assist and get one of Rashford or Martial or Cavani into the game. You've got to work harder than that. And I don't think front to back we did anywhere near enough to win that one. And especially with the fact that this league... All right, City are starting to show their quality now and starting to string some wins together. But it's there. It's open for United to challenge. Obviously, we're not out of the title race just because of one bad result. But... It's, it needs to be repeated and we will calm down at some point this evening but it does need to be repeated just how poor a result this is given the circumstances and United have got to pick themselves up very, very quickly if they want to stay in the title race. Yeah, personally I think that what we saw tonight is the reason why United can't win the title and the reason why City probably will. I mean, you spoke about United's margins of victory. I can really only think of the Leeds game. What what are we, 19 games in? 20 20 now. We're 20 games in. I can think of the Leeds game, which United won comfortably. And even that didn't feel particularly comfortable for long periods. But but that's the only game that United have won comfortably. We, We haven't had a routine win in the league all season. Just one of those games where you go out and you dominate and you just you score two or three goals at home or away and 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 you come away and and it, it's been you know you've you've played at ninety percent but you've been good enough to just put that team away. We don't play like that and the the, the reason why City are so effective, particularly against teams like Sheffield United, is they don't change how they play for anybody. The system is king. Whoever they slot in, the system is king, and the player does what he's supposed to do in his role in that system. What we saw from United tonight 
was essentially 11 guys who didn't think they needed to play to a system who they, they thought we can just freestyle this and we'll be good enough to win it. If we'd been playing away against anybody really, but or at home against a better side, they, those players would have had tactical roles they were expected to play and they would have been disciplined in playing those roles. But tonight, it was nothing of the sort. It was it was just everybody trying to get on the ball, everybody trying to force things. And, and there wasn't any shape or discipline to it at all. And as you say, it cost us the second goal. The reason why Sheffield United were able to break on us and, and seemingly have, you know, quite often four or five players in between our midfield and our defence and, and, and bearing down the defence is because the midfield wasn't holding its shape. It wasn't, nobody was holding their shape. And so there are enormous gaps that, Sheffield United could exploit and they clearly saw that that was possible and yeah I mean that's this is the source of this is the source of my anger really that that defeat comes down to nothing but poor application and poor preparation Oli should have he should have made a, a couple of subs to make a point and just because I think other players were better and he should have got a message across at half time that we had to have tactical discipline we had to we had to approach this like any other game it's not like a game where we're not the Harlem Globetrotters and we just go out and wing it and put on the show and, and beat teams because we we don't do that. We don't we don't have comfortable wins. We we don't go out and steamroller teams at all. You know, Leeds Leeds being the exception. But apart from that, when have we gone out this season and really completely dominated a side and, and comfortably stuffed them? We haven't. No. It's all it's all either perilously close or and or having to come back because we've because we've started like a sloth again <laughs> well this month is the perfect example right five get wins so far this month which is excellent don't get me wrong but they've all been by one goal they we've been treading a very fine line and i think the issue of application tonight and the, I, I you know i can't necessarily talk about the preparation but united came into that game as we've all said just looking like they could waltz in and win it and you can only get away with that attitude for so long. You saw Pogba, you saw um, Wan-Bissaka, you saw Rashford. Everyone was either, and Bruno, everyone was either undercooking or overcooking their passes. You know, Bruno had what I think we can both agree was his worst performance in the United shirt tonight. I don't think anything he did came off. You know, yeah. he was, again, you know, he, he was losing the ball and still running back at the other end of the pitch to do it. But his passing just wasn't it looked like it was on a satellite delay at times it just wasn't happening for him tonight you know i'm not hugely worried about him and that's not to be too critical it's just stating what we all saw you know it's four league games without a goal and an assist which was pointed out tonight obviously you're forgetting that three days ago he scored the winner against liverpool so he's not in terminal loss of form or anything like that but i think it speaks to a bigger problem where when Bruno isn't firing, the team really seems to struggle as well. He seems to give them such confidence to perform. And if he's not clicking and if he's not working well in the system, then a lot of other players seem like rabbits in headlights. You know, They don't seem to know what to do either. And that's a big concern because I do think this team still looks to Bruno as the one to provide those big moments. And if he's not doing it, they seem a little less confident in their ability to step up. But there we go. You know, we'll go ahead to the game against uh, Arsenal on Saturday. And that's not going to be much fun either because they're in a fairly decent run of form for the first time in a while under Arteta, at least over the entire course of this season. Uh, anything else to say about that game, Rich, before we move on to Liverpool? I think it's become an absolutely enormous game. We have to find out if United can respond. And if they can't if they can't respond, then it really shows a, a, a real lack of nerve when the pressure was on. 
Um, mm. If they do respond, then you can say, right, we had one game where we weren't at it in any respect, and that's not okay, but we've we've put it right. We've put it right, and we're not going to let it happen again. But if they go out and lose that one, you, you could see the confidence of this team you know, falling out of its arse. Um, and so, and so, a game that's become one where you would f- felt reasonably confident in, particularly given our away form, but also because the confidence we've we've showed for long spells in games and and showing enough character to to get through really difficult difficult matches where we've we've faced um, adversity. This is now looking like an, an absolutely season defining match, mm. um, which is absolutely nuts but it is what it is because you know the reality is that for one City are just steamrolling now and I I don't believe we can win the league ahead of City anyway but or anybody can but City have City got the pedal to the metal now and the bunch of teams behind behind second is incredible I haven't I haven't specifically looked at the table tonight but you're looking at maybe six points Five or six points from second down to seventh, maybe six or seventh. Well, Leicester are one point behind us. They drew at Everton this evening. Uh, West Ham are five behind us, and Liverpool, if they win against Spurs tomorrow, will only be three without us having played the same amount of games. And City, one point ahead of us with that game in hand. Now, obviously, in the context of a typical Premier League season, that wouldn't necessarily feel so terminal. But I think the frustration is is that it's been so long since United put themselves in this position. And given the game and the opportunity that's presented to ourselves tonight to win and then go back atop the table and make sure City had to win their game in hand to stay above us, it's just such a kick in the teeth to see us flounder like this. But, you know, I I think there's always that initial frustration when you have a result like this to over maybe overanalyze to a certain extent. Obviously, that's kind of our point. But at the same time, we appreciate that this is being recorded straight after the game. Obviously, we're extra emotive because we're extra disappointed. You know, that was another incredibly... It was a really frustrating performance, and I'm not enjoying talking about it at all. You know, I think there's plenty of reasons to still look at this season that something can be salvaged from it. It's not terminal by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that some of the things that we've been talking about in terms of United's game management and the slow starts and the lapses of concentration defensively, these are things that we've been talking about undermining our title uh, charge for quite some time, right? In, In amongst the talks about how the mentality seems to be improving and we're winning games that we wouldn't normally win. And it's just frustrating to see them shown to us in such stark terms against the league's worst side but there we go Uh, let's have a quick break and i'll be back to talk about the liverpool game we have a small favor to ask friends if you're enjoying the show please help spread the word leave a rating and a review on apple podcasts acast or any podcast app you use it's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners and it would be hugely appreciated all right, should we maybe have gone Liverpool first? Because at least that would have sweetened us a little bit for the last 28 minutes or so of bile. We said before, I, I don't I don't even feel like I want to talk about it anymore. Um, uh, I know we will. I mean, we shall and we will. And it was it was a wonderful day in, its, in of itself. But yeah, go on then, hit me. Hit me with some questions about the Liverpool game. All right, well, uh, that was the best United-Liverpool derby in I don't know how long, in terms of a game for the yeah. neutral, in terms of a game of interest, in terms of there actually being chances and both sides being open and going for it. A complete antidote to what we saw the previous weekend in the league. Um, and I thought United were just about good value for that. I think there were times where we definitely, uh, again, 
um, were lucky in the degree that we sat back and led Liverpool back into the match, especially at 2-1. I think United's game management was pretty poor, but at the same time, you know, to get that result, especially in the manner that we did with Bruno Fernandes whipping in another excellent free kick. He's he's just so good in those sort of dead ball situations. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He scored a perler against Bournemouth last season as well. And to come on after, you know, this, as a second half substitute is even more satisfying. I think, you know, you looked at that game in totality. I think the, the first goal, the one against Salah, uh, the one for Salah, you just Lindelof and Shaw are both switched off, aren't they? You know, I think... It, it, it was too easy for Liverpool at that point. United had actually started quite well and were getting, they were gifted so much space by Liverpool on the break. And I appreciate that obviously this was far from Liverpool's ideal back four, but I thought United still exploited that weakness particularly well, which is why it was galling to go 1-0 down. But the reaction was great. You know, uh, Salah's not closing down Rashford for that pass. Milner can't get his head to it. And it was really good to see Mason hit that into the bottom corner beyond Allison. Deserved one all. And then the goal, the second one, uh, Greenwood repaying the favour and passing to Rashford. I think it was, what, uh, Reese Williams who missed this header and then Rashford again. He's needed a goal like that. Goes one-on-one with the keeper and again tucks it in at the far corner. At 2-1, that was one of the biggest frustrations for me is that United then did what they've done against Burnley and against Fulham recently in the sense that they got their one goal lead and they sat back. They stopped doing what they were doing in terms of getting more on the ball and they just waited for the opportunity to kill the game off on the break and it didn't come you know the the goal that was uh, that we conceded just before the hour mark Salah again was down to us playing out from the back Cavani loses it in the middle of the pitch and then Salah eventually rounds off a decent move it was again pretty avoidable but it was at least nice I mean I say it was nice what about that ridiculous discussion uh, about that the validity of that foul Fabinho made on Cavani I mean Fouls on the edge of the air don't get much more blatant than that, surely? No, I, I don't really understand the um, opprobrium that was rained down on us from Liverpool fans about that. Cavani clearly made the best of of, of what he was doing, and it, and it was a bit of a naive challenge from from Fabinho. But that 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 free kick's given every time in, in any game. That's that's given as a free kick. Ultimately, United did play well enough to win that game and deserved to win that game, but they also won it because of two naive moments from Liverpool's two standing centre back. Mistake for the Rashford goal from Williams and then and then Fabinho making the stupid challenge which which was a free kick. I mean there's there's a certain degree of joy that comes with beating Liverpool at any point, but it's I've got to admit, it never it's never felt so hollow, has it? You know, it, no. Greenwood scoring in front of the Stretford end to equalise against Liverpool, Rashford scoring in the second half, Bruno scoring, you know, a seventy eighth minute winner with an excellent free kick. There was just no one there to see it. It was, that was one of the biggest moments for me this season where I understand, obviously this isn't an argument to say fans should be in the stadium because they absolutely shouldn't be. But that was where I think it hit hardest that we were playing the team that you and I both (laughs) hate playing the most. It's, it's, it's the Mm. game for the, for us and for so many of the United fans, the stands were empty. It was just, it felt flat. And I didn't, don't get me wrong, I still very much enjoyed the win. I still celebrated each goal, but it was just such a shame to not hear, see the roars and to see the reactions mm. to, you know, Greenwood and Rashford being able to go up to the to the, either the, their respective stands to the to Stretford and the East End and not be able to shout at anyone and celebrate with anyone in the crowd, you know? Yeah, I think I, I had the same experience, the, the City games as well, where the big games particularly don't feel like big games even when you're watching them. And you can see in the way that the players celebrate. None of them celebrate as they would if there was a crowd in, in the stadium. In any in any games, really, you don't you very rarely see see players 
celebrating as, as they would. The, the only uh, caveat to that is, is Scott McTominay seems to just celebrate as he would have done if, if there were 76,000 people in Old Trafford. But apart from that, generally speaking, that you know, it's all just so muted and a goal goes in and you don't get that enormous rush that you would normally have and you don't get the extent of the sinking feeling and the, the horror at seeing the opposition fans celebrating. And So whilst it was wonderful to, to beat Liverpool, I know completely what you mean in terms of it doesn't feel quite as much of a rush that it, it would if, if it had been if it happened in front of a full stadium. And, and we kind of had that, not just the drama on the pitch, but the drama of the crowd as well. Right, right off with some Twitter questions for the first time in a while. Ian McCormick, uh we thought it was Bruno who was a good luck charm, but it appears it might have been Odion Agallo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss Odion, even though he's been absent without leave for God knows for a few months now, isn't he? I don't, Six I, I don't months. entirely understand <laughs> it, but but it, you know, it was, it's a nice story, isn't it? He came, he scored some goals, including a really nice goal in in Switzerland. Uh, was it Switzerland or Austria? Alaska Linz, Austria, you're right, Austria. Yes. and yeah, he gave us a few nice little moments, didn't he? And it, 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 it's it's always nice to see a player really exhibit the same joy at playing for United as as the rest of us would if we had the opportunity. So it was nice for him to go, but but yeah, yeah like Samson cutting his hair, United cutting. Igalo adrift has removed our superpowers. Mm, indeed. Well, it's always nice to see so our passion for United reflected back on the pitch, isn't it? And I think in terms of the way he conducted himself and spoke about the club as well, you could tell that it was, wasn't was manufactured, no, yeah. was it? It was very clear that he had a great love for us and this was genuinely his dream. And I'm pleased for him that it, you know, it ended with some goals and just sad it wasn't quite what it perhaps could have been. Uh, Judson Lee to match his match tonight's match again reminds me that one of Fergie's greatest gifts was pulling players in from the fringe of his squad and getting a song out of them such a difficult thing to do uh, Tuan Zevi and Tellers were miles off it um, I think Tuan Zevi perhaps more so than Tellers and I'm I'm concerned about him I mean Bailly was he got a knock is what Solskjaer said prior to the game and uh, that's why Tuan Zevi came in but regardless you know I, I think Axel's Really, really struggling now in terms of not only number one getting game time, but number two getting performances when he is picked. And then, you know, we still say this in the same breath as he had that incredible performance in Paris. But any time he's played since then, he's looked way off it, sad to say. Gary McCreevy, uh, that was bad, IMO. Hashtag bad. Yeah, it was, it was bad. I just want to say right, something to, on to Enzibi. I, I want to, I've criticised him. He did have a really bad game. But it is also really difficult just coming in, particularly at centre-back, when you, when you haven't played you know, I think he, he had one game at right back, didn't he? Um, recently, but he hasn't played as a centre back since Istanbul, I don't think. So you, you just you've been thrown in cold. You're not completely fit, and you're you're playing with a partner who you don't you haven't had that that connection on the pitch that you, you can only get over time. And I, I just feel for him a bit in that respect because I think it was just a bit naive to throw him in there and expect him to be able to perform to a level that Lindelof or, or Bailly could. Well, I think the problem is as well is that this might sound like an unnecessary pop, but I don't necessarily get the marshalling defender vibe from Maguire enough in those situations when he's playing with a somewhat unfamiliar partner, right? 
I wouldn't mind Tuanzevi coming in as a third centre-back in a three, but yeah. as the two, I just worry about Maguire's ability to organise that back four, to be honest with you. Will, at Will, wait. Uh, what's going on with Martial? When he's hung, when he's up front, he's never in the box. When he's out wide, he's always too deep, never runs with it and just passes sideways and backwards. He was one of our most exciting players, but now he's just a passenger doing all their own things. Now, a week ago, I was telling you that I was not concerned too much about Martial in long term and suggesting that perhaps with everything going on this season in various different circumstances. And as you said, he's very much a confidence player. Having said that, tonight he was bad. Very, very bad. Yeah, I mean, saying a player is a confidence player in a way is is a mitigation, but in a, in a way it's not because it doesn't matter whether you, whether it's down to confidence or not. You can't expect to play when you're playing that badly. That's That's ultimately what it comes down to. It surprised me tonight that Oli started him. It surprised me even more when he didn't take him off when Cavani came on because you're clearly looking at a player who is chronically out of form. And one of the things I, I kind of feel with Martial as well, when he's low on confidence, he doesn't behave on the pitch in the same way. He doesn't make the same runs. He doesn't make the same choices because he, he doesn't have any confidence in himself to actually carry off what, what he thinks he wants to do. So, so he's all, he almost becomes a player who hides a bit when he's off form, and you just you can't carry that all the time. You need, I think, he's reached a point where he needs two or three or four weeks out of the team to just get back to concentrating on training and just sort of rebuilding his confidence and then coming back fresh. You know, we've we, we've talked about guys like Bruno and Rashford, particularly who they can play appallingly, but I don't think it affects their mindset. They'll they'll. They'll still they'll still be trying things in the next game. They'll still have the confidence in themselves to pull things off, even if it doesn't happen. They'll try again five minutes later and do this and make the same decisions. Martial's not like that. He he makes different decisions and he he hides to a degree. And you, you can't carry that because he's not gonna. He doesn't offer anything. He, you know he he's not gonna win a game out of nothing when he's too afraid to do the things that he needs to do to to achieve that. Um, and I think we've just mm. reached a, a point tonight where his performance was so poor that you just can't you can't play him at Arsenal at the very least and, and it depends where Cavani is in terms of his his fitness and what he can manage but if I had the choice I'd I'd play Cavani the next three or four games well this is the other thing though with Cavani because he's at this age at the minute if we've got him several years earlier then it wouldn't be too much of a problem but you can't play him every game even if Martial is out of form so you've got to come up with an alternative I mean what in what is that alternative? I don't know. Do you play Rashford through the middle and then put Mason and Dan James on either side and hope that works out? You know, there are no particularly easy answers with Martial's form being this bad, but you can't just start Cavani every single game and hope for the best. You know, that's you'll burn him out. And this is the problem as well, is when you see Cavani playing as well as he did at the weekend against Liverpool, to perform like that and to move like that and then to go back to Martial, especially in this current performance level he's got is just so jarring which makes it all the more frustrating really uh john eagles just says sackable no i uh, look look Ollie, <laughs> i mean well no i mean i wasn't taking that question very seriously and i don't think no, I don't, should I don't, either. I don't. yeah but well souk follows with the last question of the night on a similar line which is are they going to do a chelsea and drop to mid table i'm generally generally terrified after watching that um again i would say it's as frustrating as that is, and yes, it featured several issues and problems that we've highlighted over the course of this season and indeed the one before, it's one game. 
as frustrating as it is that we lost against the worst team in the league and offered up our worst performance of the season, similar to the one in Istanbul, where we seemingly seemed to turn up and expected our, our superior quality to win us the game. It's still just one game, uh, you know, and I think the key thing is now, well, those words can come back to bite me hilariously in a week's time. But at the same point, you know, we've got Arsenal, we've got Southampton and we've got Everton coming up. If there is any reason to believe in this side, I think we'll see it in those next three games. If we're able to get nine points out of those and you would say this has merely been a blip and Solskjaer and the team have started to take the rest of the season seriously. I think we'll get a chance now in the space of the next couple of weeks to see what this United side are really made of, right? Because that is such a that's such an awful result to have. And typically for the most part, United have responded to the really poor performances mostly quite well so far this season and indeed the second half of last season. And, you know, we can talk about it all we like, but they've got to go do the business at the Emirates at the weekend, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I mean, I was, I was, I was looking at a run of games and thinking, you know what, we, we've not perfected, but we've we've established an ability to do enough to use our quality and our power to get past tricky opposition, to, to win to win games that are really quite challenging and, and, and actually, you know, to pull it off often from difficult positions. And so I looked at these next... Four games, really, because we've got, obviously, you said Arsenal away, Southampton and Everton at home, and then we've got West Ham at home in the Cup. West Ham are fourth now, and absolutely flying. I know, it's still weird. It is weird, but it is it is what it is. And, and you know, Southampton and Everton are good sides. They're good sides. They're not, you know, Southampton have dropped off a little bit, but they're not a pushover. And we've suddenly gone from a position where I would have I would have trusted us to mentally have enough to beat all of these sides, even if it's relatively narrow, narrowly, to being concerned that if there's a chink of weakness in our in our mental armour, that those are the games which will really expose it. And so that's that's really the question. Again, why I said that the next game is so important, because we can either put this to bed, hold our hands up and say, our application, our approach was not good enough in that game, but we've put it right. Or we can just we can fall apart and and lose it all the confidence we've built up over the last three months particularly so it, mm. it's absolutely pivotal and i'm so i've gone from i've gone from really looking forward to it to absolutely shitting it about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well losing to the worst team in the league will do that to you but i guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it which will be next week anyway rich cheers for tonight no my pleasure I, i'd say but it's not really but but yes my pleasure it's always That's lovely to talk I, to I, you I, I, yeah you pulled that one back a little bit but i got <laughs> you i wasn't going to be too dumbing on that one and guys thank you so much for listening this week and indeed any other week and don't forget if you so wish you can talk to us on twitter anytime you so wish as well you can get rich at rich red voices you can get me at you and like this and the pod at red voices mufc you can also any find the podcast itself on spotify acast itunes stitcher basically a half decent podcast app and if you're able to rate and subscribe or review that would be absolutely perfect and helps us out a lot with making sure that more people listen to the pod right we should be back after the game against southampton next midweek and here's hoping we're talking about a couple of victories may not feel so great after tonight but who knows stranger things have happened (laughs) take care of yourselves good night (laughs) 